Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. If suicide's not on the radar, you won't ask. And if you don't go to a training where you practice asking and know what to do, you probably will miss invitations that people are sending to you to ask them about suicide. Glenn Bloomstrom is a retired Army combat chaplain and now with the largest suicide intervention training organization in the world. And today he offers all of us practical advice about a very difficult topic. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, I'm so glad that you've joined us on Life Support. And what we do on this podcast is we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus through suffering and trauma. And it's really fun to hear people's stories. Not The pain's not fun, but the outcome when Jesus intervenes is remarkable. And we've got a man who knows a lot about that. His name is Glenn Bloomstrom. He's a, a chaplain, uh, retired uh, but he's now the Director of Faith Community Engagement of Living Works. Um, and I was kind of reading through your bio here, Glenn. Uh, very impressive military things here, but you seem to be a lot more passionate about what we're going to talk about today. So it's so great to have you. That's right, Paul. It's it's a pleasure to be here again. Yeah, and uh, we talked, you know, uh, during the pandemic, I think, when the things were kind of getting geared up last time, and uh, we got through that. Yes, we did, didn't we? I think. Uh, well, I think. yeah, we're still back to masks <laughs> now, I think. Uh, I was traveling a few days ago, and they recommend masks, oh, so boy, here, here we, we are go. again, yeah. Well, you don't have to wear a mask with us. Okay, and thanks. And if, if we're in a bad mood, we'll make you, you know, you'll put one on. Um, tell me what Living Works does. All right, well, Living Works is an is a international suicide intervention training company. Uh, they're headquartered in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and uh, but they have offices around the world, uh, Australia, U- USA. There's about 7,500 trainers, and we train about 50,000 people every year in suicide intervention skills. Wow. So you got a lot going on there. It's, and how did you get involved with it? Where did you find out about it? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I was, as, as you've already said, I was a chaplain on active duty, and at a point in my life, I was in, in, involved with policy development and training for all at that time. I think there were about 4,600 chaplains, active guard and reserve, and we were wanting to train chaplains in suicide intervention. Intervention meaning what to do when somebody's thinking of suicide. So we were doing lectures, PowerPoint, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And then I was introduced to a Living Works program, Living Works Applied Suicide Intervention Skill Training. And as soon as I went through that, I said, this is what chaplains need. And so uh, the rest is history. I retired and uh, then was kind of recruited by them uh, to come back, and I've been with them for 10 years. Wow. So um, suicide, to some, is very close and personal. To some, it's kind of an abstract concept. Um, Tell me why this is so important right now uh, in our culture to talk about this. Well said, Paul. (laughs) You know, it is abstract until you've experienced it. Mm -hmm. And many, many people in our culture have experienced it. But it's a taboo topic. Mm 
No one wants to talk about suicide, and especially if they've had a member who struggled, attempted, or died by suicide. It's a very personal thing. But we're seeing more and more people thinking of suicide. Our culture is moving, especially among young adults. Uh, I, I read somewhere, statistically, that one in four of our young adults, uh, 14 to 24, have thought about suicide. Hmm. That's 25 percent. Mm-hmm. And at any given time, they say that one or one in 25 percent of people around us are thinking of suicide at any given moment. Yeah, and they don't even often list it as a cause of death. And so they, it's almost like it's hidden under the rug, huh? That's for sure. In fact, I read another article just yesterday. Uh, you know, we've always talked about this 22 veteran deaths uh, a, a day. And um, I, I think a couple years ago, they revised that down to about 17. But there's new research that said that there could be as high as 40 suicides a death, uh, a deaths by suicide a day, if you consider opioid overdoses mm. and other mm-hmm. kinds of things. There mm-hmm. is really massive underreporting of suicide deaths in our country. So tell me why in that particular community you just mentioned, veterans... Um, What are the underlying issues that push that number up so high? Well, first and foremost, uh, the vast majority are men. Mm -hmm. Um, These are men that are familiar with weapons. These are many men who have experienced deep trauma. And uh, if they've gotten a job, a good job, after they've left the service, the highest number of those dying by suicide are still our Vietnam-era veterans. They're in their mid to late 60s, early 70s now. And uh, what happens is you've got a purpose, you're going to work, you're keeping busy, but now you're on Social Security. And oh, by the way, you're estranged from your, your spouse, you're estranged from your children, because for years, for decades, you've been self-medicating. And so all of the things that kind of keep a veteran going frequently. Now, this, please don't stereotype this. No. no. But, um, but we see that a lack of purpose, a, 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 a loss of relationships really leads to despair frequently. And so that leads, if not checked, that leads to attempts and deaths by suicide. I can only imagine. Now, I've, I've never been in the military, so I don't know what that lifestyle is like. But I can only imagine it's a high adrenaline, um, you know, when, let's say you're, been, you're in Vietnam, you, you're, you're on the edge all the time, you're seeing stuff that you probably never thought you would see, you're trying to protect yourself and others, and all of a sudden you come home, you're not welcomed, controversial war, and and now and now you've gone to the other extreme where you've got like why am I going to get out of bed this morning, and that's got to be really a hard adjustment. Right, that transition for Vietnam era, uh, GWAT era, global war on terrorism, and then our Iraq and Afghan uh, wars. Uh, that transition is the hardest. And we find that until a young person now from our contemporary wars makes that transition often to school or vocational training and gets into a good job, 
you know, that's what's needed, purposeful mm-hmm. living and a supportive family. But we know that in our culture more and more, uh, our young people are estranged from their extended family for various reasons, or they've not had a father figure. And so the military provided structure. You knew what to do. There was a reason to get up. Mm -hmm. You had father figures and older brothers or sisters mentoring you. And, oh, let me just get out of this system. And then we go out and people don't care. I mean, they say, thank you for your service. But they don't know what that is. And and they might even stereotype you as, oh, here comes a ticking time bomb or that. And sometimes our young people who have had traumatic stress, it's... Sometimes a badge of uh, that that marks uh, sets them apart, mm-hmm. and so they do exhibit these behaviors. You know, it's complicated. Yeah. But by and large, if a person is connected and has purpose and has made that transition, they're a lot less likely to find themselves struggling with depression or substance abuse, and then um, making that transition. Pastor Paul will be back with retired Army Chaplain Glenn Bloomstrom in just a moment. Today's discussion is centered around mental health, and there's a new video series from Five Stone Media called Caring for Mental Health, created to start the conversation and eliminate the stigma. It's practical steps all of us can take to come alongside those who suffer. It's real stories of real people, with commentary from mental health professionals and pastors. Caring for Mental Health is offered at no cost, and facilitator training is offered at lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now, back to Pastor Paul. Glenn Bloomstrom is our guest uh, from Living Works, and uh, he's talking to us today about suicide, suicide intervention, the training um, chaplains and so forth to to deal with this really difficult topic. Now, in Minnesota, we're you know we're the land of the ten thousand lakes. We've got every, you know we're the we're the prized few up here in the in the Northland, and <laughs> you don't really think of Minnesota as a place that would be affected by this problem. But tell me if it is. Well, we're, we're, we're just like the other yeah. uh, 50 states. So there was some research that came out, uh, a study from uh, 1917 uh, or uh, 1999 to 2017. And across the board in America, suicide has increased significantly. I, I think it's in the, in the um, 50, high 50% over those decades, and Minnesota is just like every other state, yeah. Also, uh, one of the, we're kind of in the middle in terms of our, our suicide rates. I was just out in Montana last week. They're number three. Number one is Alaska, mm-hmm. and number two is Wyoming. Um, smaller populations, but extremely independent. So we have a mixture in our state. We have rural who are hardworking, self-sufficient, independent. I'll do it on my own, thank you. Mm -hmm. And they've done it for generations, you know. The rates outside of the metro are higher than the rates in metropolitan areas. They are, yeah. And so the the states like Wyoming, uh, Alaska, Wyoming, and Montana, one, two, and three, 
you've got a lot of folks out there that are more independent and a lot more isolated. Mm -hmm. Do you find that when you're talking to um, others about what you actually do at Living Works that ice kind of glaze over? Like, well, why are you telling me this and why is it important to me? And Or do you do people focus right in and say like, yeah, I know somebody or I'm worried about my kids or that kind of reaction? That's a great question. Uh, I, I think it's the latter. People are interested. They said, Hey, what do you do? Well, I'm I'm in suicide intervention training. You know, when I was flying flying back a couple of days ago, what do you do? Well, I, I teach people how to talk to people about suicide, and they kind of go, "Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't hear that every day, right? <laughs> yeah, right. They, they yeah. Say, Tell me more." And and then I I talk to them. You know, I I really focus on clergy and military, uh, but a lot of people are not trained. So an analogy I like to use is like um, um, CPR. You know, uh, there's a lot of people in America that know CPR. They've never used it. But across the board, a lot more people are trained in CPR than are in suicide intervention skills. You might never use it. But if suicide's not on the radar, this is my elevator speech, if suicide's not on the radar, you won't ask. And if you don't go to a training where you practice asking and know what to do, you probably will miss invitations that people are sending to you mm-hmm. to ask them about suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important. I like what you just said. And as a pastor, I've encountered people many times that um, you know share things with me that are that are troubling, frightening. Um, sometimes I know what to do and say. Sometimes I don't know what to do and say. And um, and then it's then it's almost like a panic attack because you go like if if that person walks out of here and I haven't done the right thing you know what's going to happen and so this is really valuable because you know there our culture is one that is becoming more and more isolated I think people are less and less likely to share with you what's really going on and if they do you need to know what to what to do next yes and in the suburban church and 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 the evangelical church. People in small groups might share, but when they are coming to the pastor, they have just walked over a big hurdle to talk about an issue. And uh, in, in, in my studies and in, in work with pastors, a lot of pastors, well, one-third have zero training in suicide intervention. Our people assume they do. And another third have less than five hours of training. So uh, many churches don't even do counseling. Everything's referred out. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. our people expect, you know, our pastors to be trained. So when that topic comes up, it's frightening because we begin to think more about ourselves. You know, oh, how am I going to, how am I going to deal with this? And our heart starts to beat. Yep. You know, we're afraid. We don't want somebody to die under our watch in our church. So all those are factors, a lack of training. It's it's a controversial and difficult topic. And then secondly, I begin to think more about myself than the person that I'm trying to help. So Yeah, that becomes a, a mixture that can go bad quickly there. Mm-hmm. This is Glenn Bloomstrom, and he's from Living Works, and we're talking about suicide prevention and, and training, and you mentioned you're, you're dealing with chaplains, you're dealing with uh, clergy, um, and you mentioned veterans before, and I, I just want to just follow up on that real quickly because, you know, we all 
at some level know somebody who's a veteran. My my dad, my uncles um, all served, and, and so that was part of my family, even though my, my brother and I didn't. Um, are we as a country taking care of our veterans in this area, or are they kind of left to fend for themselves? Oh, I, I think we're making huge efforts to help veterans. You know, our VA system... They're, they're very well-funded. They have very, very good intentions. But very few veterans access them. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's one issue. I think there's also a, a much more of a sense of gratitude toward veterans than uh, what we hear uh, the, res- uh, the experience was for our Vietnam-era veterans. Yeah. Uh, however, <laughs> I think that there's extremes. Um, on one hand, thank you for your service. You were a veteran. Wow, thanks for keeping us free. Thanks for what you did, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there's a perception if somebody is struggling or looks pretty intense, there might be the stigmatization that, oh, boy, that, that, that's, a, that's a hair trigger veteran over there. And Ticking we, time bomb. Right, huh? and we don't know mm-hmm. what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our veterans look pretty tough, uh, you know, yep. a, a big beard, lots of tats, uh, driving a Harley, yeah. um, a couple of colorful words in what they say. And what's that about? You know, that's about who they are, their image. And so I think for people of faith, for... Uh, Uncles, aunts, grandparents, we just need to look beyond that surface thing and mm-hmm. say, how are you? You know, how is your transition? You know, what's happening in your life? And look beyond. And I think people from my generation, you see that exterior and say, ooh, man, I don't know if I want to go there. And when you start to talk to a veteran that, that's kind of got that gruff exterior, you'll find a gentle, kind heart. <laughs> You know, if you take the time. If you take the time, yeah. That's it, yeah. What are some other things that we can do um, when we run up against someone or we know somebody that we think might be uh, in danger? Well, uh, first and foremost, you know, I, I think take advantage of the resources that are there. At a minimum, if you're having a conversation with someone and you've had no training, the best thing you can do is go on your speakerphone And, well, the best thing you can do is just ask, have you been thinking of suicide? Mm -hmm. You've got to use that word, suicide. Not, are you thinking of harming yourself? Are you thinking of hurting yourself? Or, you're not thinking of this. Which kind of says, don't tell me yes. I don't want to hear yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, But if you're concerned, you're having a conversation one of the easiest resources after you've asked that question is dial 988. It's the new suicide hotline number. And put it on speaker and say, hey, I'm here with my friend. He's been going through a lot of hard things. And I just asked him about suicide. If you don't know even any resources, Mm -hmm. but you're there with them, you're on the speaker phone with somebody who's most likely trained in a living works assist that I is mentioned that right, before. Huh? Yeah. It is the standard for crisis line workers. Mm-hmm. Paul, if I were king, every pastor and ministry leader in every parachurch ministry would be trained in assist. It's two days. But anyway, you're going to get on the speakerphone. You're there. You're not going to leave them alone. Where should we turn? 
What can we do? The crisis line worker will give some resources, and then we turn to that person and say, what sounds good to you? I'm not leaving you alone. We're going to go together, and I'm going to sit with you. So the other thing is a lot of the times people will think, I'm going to take him to the emergency room. Well, Mm. emergency room has pros and cons. Yes, it's a good place to go, but it costs money, and you could sit there for a long time. I was doing a uh, a workshop one time in my home church, downtown Minneapolis, Bethlehem Baptist, and uh, I was, you know, going through my my, uh, standard uh, material, and, and a mom came up to me and said, you know, I took my daughter, and I won't name where it was, and we sat there for four hours, and there were psychotic people, and there were people in crisis who were overdosing. They came through that door, and we were both kind of traumatized by yeah. what we saw. Right. And after we left, after she was evaluated and assessed four or five hours, she turned to me and said, Mom, I'm never going to tell mm-hmm. you if I'm ever in crisis again. That was horrible. So that's where having a pastor, a youth pastor trained in a evidence-based training who knows what to do calmly. I know Pastor Johnson, you know. I know my youth leader. Let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. Are you thinking about suicide? And we have others in the church that are known that can do a more comprehensive suicide intervention assessment and safety plan. You do it among people you know, and then you go to external resources. So that would be the thing I would say. That's a really good answer, and I like what you said. You know, use the word, and I think uh, most commonly you'll hear, are you going to hurt yourself? Yes. Because people don't like saying the word suicide. Right. It is scary. It is scary. Uh Uh-huh. And that all feeds into the taboo. You know, these are adults in relatively good health, In some cases, it could be a senior who has been diagnosed with a terminal illness. But just the thought of somebody ending their own lives, theologically, we struggle with that, Mm -hmm. you know. And there's a whole history of stigma that has began in the church, really with the church fathers, became law. And if you read some of the history of stigma in in, um, Western countries, Uh, That's why it's so taboo and we're frightened by it. But also, to the friends we knew and uh, throughout our lifetime, uh, we knew them. And again, we remember them full of life and it's very difficult. We have guilt often that we didn't know what to do and that happened. Yeah. So all that ties into the fear of using the word suicide. Well, you have used it, and you know what you're doing. So how do you access uh, Living Works? And, and if I'm interested as a pastor or a layperson, or how do I get training through Living Works? Well, we have online training. Um, one is uh, like a 90-minute training, Living Works Start. So if you just go to www.livingworks.net, in, in about 10 minutes— you can be having a very basic, skill-based, evidence-based training called Living Work Start. But we do face-to-face training. I do face-to-face training here in Minnesota. We have a lot of faith-based people in Minnesota that can teach face-to-face training from four hours to two days. 
Hmm. That's good to know. Okay, the, and, the, and the website would be what? www.livingworks.net. Okay, it's really important stuff because, you know, we're, we're to take care of our fellow man, our fellow believer. Amen. Or, you know, and, and uh, we can't just discount this and pass it off to somebody else. Love the neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jesus said something about that. I think so. <laughs> Glenn, we're going to have you back, and we've got some more to talk about, but I'm so glad you've been here. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for the time. You know, and speaking of Scripture, you know, First um, Peter 2.24 tells us that he himself, meaning Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds, you have been healed. And mm-hmm. I, I love that verse because... This is a, a savior that's not outside of pain. Um, he, he's not above the suffering that um, will lead us into some really dark places. Uh, and I would encourage you that if you are um, at all feeling um, a nudge right now by God to get help, or if you're feeling that you're, there's somebody you know that needs help, that 988 number is a great place to go. And it's there for you. And I also just want you to know and be encouraged that God is with you. Um, God is present. And you may not feel like it. Your circumstances might not be lining up like it. But the Bible is very clear on that, that God is always with us. He does love you. He does care about what you're experiencing. And I'm so glad that you joined us today on Life Support. We're thankful for our sponsors that make this show possible. Faith Radio has been great to us. You can reach them at myfaithradio.com. You can see a video version of this podcast at fivestonemedia.com. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at myrwc.org. So thanks so much for being here, and we'll catch you next time on Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.